Greetings, friends, and welcome to another edition of Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk, the premier pro wrestling podcast on CKCC Radio. I am your host, Chris O'Mealy, joined, of course, by Dan Peck. Give your balls a tug, you tit fucker. <laughs> uh, we are broadcasting out of two separate states that experienced the same tropical storm today. As it makes its way up the East Coast. Mm. Dan got it first, I got it second. I got sloppy seconds. Okay. That's one way to do it. Wet seconds. Sloppy, tropical, wet seconds. That's weird. Gross. But you're listening to us, available wherever you find your favorite podcast, ckccradio.podbean.com. You can subscribe, you can like. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Like us in all those different places. We have 10 different shows for you to listen to. Nine of them are regulars. One's a mini-series, but we are working on that. So you've got plenty to check out when you check out CKCC Radio. And because there's so many shows, even if you're only becoming a fan of two or three of them, you're pretty much guaranteed new content to supply your week all the time. And I think that's pretty damn cool. So, with that said, let's talk about this week in the world of pro wrestling. Oh, is that what we do on this one? We'll do that. Why not here? Uh, let's answer last week's trivia question sent in by patron, podcast host, and friend of the show, and published author, Jeff Trelowitz. What three wrestlers appeared on the show Smallville? Yes. Well, I never watched Smallville. I watched the first season, and as soon as I got to the first episode of the second season, I was like, I'm out! (laughs) Uh, Wasn't Edge on an episode? No. Okay, so I, I thought I remember seeing them advertising him for something. Was it Big Dave Batista? He is one of them. He was the bad guy on an episode. Ah. So, Big Batista's one of them. Uh, Who's another one? Well, the other one was two at the same time. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And they had to fight Clark and Lois. Oh, boy. Was it a guy and a girl? Yep. And think about what it, what it was at the time. Mid-aughts, UPN. Right? Was it Matt and Lita? These people were not known as a couple. Oh! Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised. Because she was a hoe. Well, that doesn't supposedly, exist. Supposedly a very expensive one. Sable? Or Sunny? No, I mean, legitimately, there is documentation saying she was like a $100,000 prostitute. Oh, I actually don't know this. This is pretty funny. Or do and I now she's, she's been dead for about four or five years now. Oh, China? No. Good God. It was Ashley Massaro and Kane. Oh my god, I I don't know if I actually had heard that about Ashley Massaro. Wow. 
Like two, before, okay, a year or two before she died. And was like some escort service came out and said, oh, yeah, she was like one of our top girls. She was like $100,000 a night. I don't even think oh. I would pay $100 for that. My cat disapproves of this. Mm. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and read this week's trivia question sent in by friend of the show, race nerd host podcaster Matt Hardman. Yes, he can. he hit me with one this week, and it is which WWE Hall of Famer guest starred in Highlander the series, which kicked off with a sword fight on a roller coaster track. Well, I know that Edge was in a Highlander movie. Remember Highlander, the series? I know I do not, as a matter of fact. Tonight, after Raw, La Femme Nikita, and then Highlander. This week, Duncan McLeod finds blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm going to say that uh, I never watched any of the Highlander series. That's I can attest to that. So. Oh, me neither did I, but I remember the promos during Raw. I do not know, actually, who this would be. And La Femme Nikita. Should I I just go ahead and look this up real quick? Because now I got the curiosity thing going. Well, it was not a tie-in with anything, because he was not working anywhere at the time. I don't think. I like how the very, very first thing that came up was the Highlanders at TNA. Yep. Then it's also like there was a the Highlander cartoon show, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and you will be the Highlander. You want to die so much, we're gonna make you immortal. Oh, all right. I don't know without without actually going extensively through this. So it takes like, quite a bit to find it, actually. Yeah. So I'm not. I'll I'll figure it out next week with everybody else. Alright, so we got some fun segments planned for this week's show, but before that, we're going to do our typical dryer sheet news and get the news out of the way. Happening this week in the world of wrestling, starting with the WWE, we have a double champion in NXT. Dropping that BBC. Now, I haven't been watching any of this stuff live lately, but I, so I had the uh, the picture popped up on social media, the uh, the Triple H of course, picture. Keith Lee's got both title belts, and then I saw the uh, the Mia Yim appreciation picture. So yeah, Keith Lee has dethroned Adam Cole as the NXT champion. So you can tell they got some big ass plans for Keith Lee and his big ass that he does. So the big question I've seen everybody saying is. Well, does this mean that Adam Cole is going to AEW? Because his contract's going to expire. And I'm going to say probably not. I would guess that they're probably going to show up on the main roster. Last I heard, like, because there was a few months ago, there was the big speculation about his contract's up soon. He's going to AEW. And then one day there was a little trickle of one saying, he resigned with WWE four months ago. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, so, it's. I don't think there's anything left for the Undisputed Era to do in NXT. 
I think at this point they have to go to the main roster and start mixing it up with those people. Go to the main roster and eat shit and lose your enthusiasm for the business. Which is usually what happens. Unless you're friends with Triple H. <laughs> and the and, and that's the other thing that happens, right? Is you you have mentor Triple H and then you go to the main roster and you realize he doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I never liked that guy. Or girl. Hey, hey. Uh, you're just a coworker. You're 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 no longer a mentor, mentee. Right? Yeah, that yawn is what I feel about uh, that attitude. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope for big things for Adam Cole. They would be really right, foolish baby. to let him or any of the undisputed era guys go because they could be super mega stars in that company. They're all so small. Put them on uh, two hundred five live. Well, nobody thought that Seth Rollins was ever going to be the biggest star in the company the way he became it. <laughs> but Adam Cole's friggin' awesome. Adam Cole is one of the uh, the best modern era. This will be a, a, a preview for later. As far as like modern era guys go, he's probably one of the best on the mic. He delivers everything with actual sincerity which some people definitely do not do. Like, I don't get that impression from Seth Rollins. I can tell Seth Rollins is reciting a script, but I don't get that impression from Adam Cole. Which is also why, even though sometimes Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will stumble in their promos, they're, I feel that they're way more genuine than other people. I definitely get that from Adam Cole. Plus, I, I truly think that Fish and O'Reilly have two of the best heel faces out there. Like, they're really good at just making heel face. O'Reilly's look really good at looking like he's about to fucking murder you. And Bobby Fish has the cocky eyebrow down just as good as The Rock ever did. And who the hell knew that Roddy Strong could actually cut promos? Yeah. His little boots. So yeah, Keith Lee, congrats to him, and I wish good things for Adam Cole, because it's I think... the year of double champions, bro. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had... It started with the trend of Becky Two Belts from last WrestleMania, and now we're up to... We have Bailey Dose Belts. Yeah, Bailey Dose Belts. There have been a couple others along the way, too. And so. New, New, New Japan, we have two guys with two belts. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of belts, they unveiled a brand new U.S. championship belt in the WWE. Yes, they did. Uh, the design was in our official Facebook group, Club Kayfabe, home of true wrestling fans, which, by the way, you are all welcome to join. Just let us know if you want in. Um, I'm a little disappointed because I liked the old U.S. title design. I actually really liked that specific design, and I, I like, and I like how much they held on to it. They held on to that for a really long time. That I genuinely think it's been 15 years, right? Yeah, middle like middle 16 years. It was no four, right? I think. Something like that, yeah. Like, 03 or 04, they did the, the tournament, because I think Eddie was the first champ. 
and then they I like, like the design of that. I also actually didn't hate. I actually kind of liked John Cena's spinner version if it didn't spin. Yeah, it actually wasn't a bad design. That was a good design too. I do not like this design. I also don't like the the new IC design either. Uh, no, not really. I mean, and if I, you want to go to it, I don't mind the huge W. <laughs> I just don't like that there's four titles with a huge W on it. They're all the same fucking belt, except for a couple color changes. I don't like that. I like that belt, though. No, when I saw this, I, like, and I know, like, people for, like, five years now with new belts, says it looks like a ring, like a freaking finger ring, and I'm just like, <laughs> this one looks like a fucking ring on your finger. <laughs> It's so true, though. Like, I don't want to be that guy, but this is the first one where I was like, it literally looks like a ring. <laughs> the, uh... What is it? The, uh... Yeah, the the Universal Championship is all blue. It was all red, but it changed colors because it changed brands. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the WWE Champion is the same belt, just all black. And then... The Raw Women's titles are the same belt, but with a white backdrop, and then the W part is colored depending on which show they're on. At least the IC and US have their own identities. Like I guess I don't mind that design, but the fact that there's four belts that look exactly the same with just a little color change is is not great. Does no. all, do all of UFC's belts look the same still? I bet you they've changed that by now. Uh, more than likely. Actually, one of the best-looking belts that they have in the company is the UK title. Oh, yeah, because it's like the filigree and stuff? Yeah. Well, if you actually go to www.com and actually go to the Superstar page, you can go through all of the uh, the champions, and you can kind of just scroll through real quick and see the history, and then they start showing you like the actual belt designs all next to each other. And the UK titles are really freaking cool looking like I really like those designs and then you start getting to all the past stuff and some of them some you know it's 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 funny because when you go back and really look at what a lot of the Attitude Era belts were even though they had more individual identity than those big W belts they were still a lot of carbon copy stuff involved in there well that's because it's like those people that came in during just the Attitude Era when they change the 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 eagle to look different, fuck motherfuckers think that's the winged eagle, and I'm like, bitch, that ain't the winged eagle. <laughs> now the winged eagle was the best belt though. That's my favorite belt. Brett had that belt. Yep. It's probably I why I associate that belt. When Austin won, that's when I swapped it. I mean, I didn't hate that design either, but the actual Winged Eagle from 92 to 98 is probably my all-time favorite belt design. If I had to pick just one. So since I haven't really been up on a lot of the current roster stuff, there's a lot of people where, like, I kind of forget about certain people even existing, especially the UK stuff, since that's pretty much been shut down. But, uh... I forgot that uh, the cruiserweight title is basically like an NXT exclusive belt now. It's literally called the NXT cruiserweight title. Right, because they kind of just absorbed it. 
right? When two hundred five, even though two hundred five is still on the air, which I'm sure it wouldn't be, except for there's probably some country somewhere that has it on actual television. You know, we could do that as a whole main event segment. Talk about like championship designs and everything, and uh, and some of our absolute favorites, some of the absolute worst. I also had no idea that Apollo Crews was still U.S. champion. So, good for him. Uh, So, did you see that Heath Slater came back on Raw? I saw about it, yes. And his promo was friggin' amazing. I had to to see the promo. It was probably the best Heath Slater promo ever. He's also super jacked now. Nothing to do but lift and fuck. Pretty much, yeah. Well, he's got to have more kids. Fired with during quarantine. I a lot of people thought Hawkins and Ryder were going to be the first ones to come back, but nope, it was Heath. Even though it's probably just for a one on a one on. Well, that's what Ray's doing. He's not under contract. He's still negotiating and just doing one offs. Maybe Heath is too. Uh, so let's talk about this Matt Riddle promo that happened last week. Apparently, Vince liked it. Yeah. Was this the promo? I didn't see it. <laughs> was this the? Pro- I was gonna ask if this was the promo where he was basically like, "Yeah, I've done some shitty things," and like it whatever it was last it. Friday while we were recording. <laughs> uh, I give him a lot of credit for owning up to shit, but at the same time, I'm kind of just like, if you if you did shitty stuff, then um um it's gonna be a while before I come around on you. So, but we'll see. Uh, you better wear a mask or be fined. That's $500 for the first offense, 1000 for repeat offenders. Because, of course, now that everybody's got the COVID, or a bunch of people have the COVID, they're taking that seriously now. And our best wishes to the mother of Lana, who not only tested positive for COVID, but had to be put into the ICU. So best wishes go out to Mrs. Lana. Mrs. Perry? I guess so. Uh, Ring of Honor has parted ways with Bully Ray, which I didn't even realize he was still involved with them. By the way, have you ever listened to Busted Open Radio? No, I have not. It's actually pretty good. I I genuinely enjoy Bully Ray as a broadcaster. Way more than I ever thought I would. Uh, Because... Even though he's much more professional than you know he probably wants to be, he still lets enough of his persona come out that actually makes the interviews really entertaining. They've I've watched a couple of Jim Ross interviews, uh, Jericho, Big Show. They're all actually really good. Just look up some of the some busted open stuff and check that out. I think you'd be surprised at how good Bully Ray is as a broadcaster. And I have tried multiple times now to watch this Conrad guy. I cannot get into his stuff. And people, like, absolutely love him. You know, and maybe it sounds shitty because maybe my voice drones on and turns people off. And maybe sometimes I talk slow. But my god, he is so slow and droning in his delivery that I just can't deal with it. It's the same reason why I can't listen to Sam Roberts' show. I just don't like... The way he comes across. And I know people are big on Conrad, and that's fine. I'm not. I'm just telling you why I'm not. 
That's the thing. You know right? who I got big into in the last week or two? Who's that? Fucking Pat McAfee show, brother. You know, That's his Pat sh- McAfee show. I've actually heard his show's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm watching the full. I was just watching clips, but two days ago I just switched and I watched the whole fucking two-hour show. <laughs> he seems like he's pretty entertaining, though. Yeah, and he has a great group of guys working with him. I'm and they sure just signed a huge, a huge deal with FanDuel, and he literally paid all ten of his guys fifty thousand dollars each off of that deal. That's awesome. And he's like, he went to the, he showed video. Of him, he went to the uh, the bank, and he's like, it was a whole ordeal because I was getting five hundred thousand dollars out of the bank in cash. And then what I did is I had my my lady go get a bunch of like twenty dollar backpacks, and we filled those fuckers with money, and we went to all the boys' houses, <laughs> gave them fucking backpack full of money. He could have he could have just done cashier's checks and saved them the trouble, but I think he just wanted to show off that like. Here's a backpack with fifty grand in it, and get the and get the reaction. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a showman, dude. I, I'm freaking loving him. Well, I would encourage people to at least give Busted Open Radio a try if you haven't actually seen it. Like, I haven't watched the full thing. I've been I've just been doing the clip stuff, but they're all on YouTube, so you can actually see them in the studio too. Like, it's not just an audio clip; you can actually watch them in the studio. But check out some of their recent interviews. They're very entertaining. That's actually how I followed a lot of the early AEW news because Jericho would appear on there pretty frequently. So, let's offer some congratulations to Sarah Logan. Mm-hmm. As she and old Roe, he's still Roe to me. Aren't Isn't he Eric? He's Eric, yeah. Uh, they are expecting their first child. So what is she's like, I'm not going to wrestle for a while because she's pregnant. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So Sarah Logan's pregnant, Dan. What yeah. does that What does that mean? She loves to fuck. <laughs> and I just learned this before we started recording. Ricky and Robert have jointly filed a trademark for the Rock and Roll Express name. Didn't figure figure they had it for years. That's what I thought too. So that might cause some problems for all the stuff that's featured with that name. Could be interesting. Dan, do you have some New Japan news for us this week? Yes, man. There's been no wrestling for a week. (laughs) Not since last Wednesday. But it comes back tonight, baby. With... The New Japan Cup Final. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing Yoshihashi or Yo on the show. They got hurt Aww. last week. And so they're going to sit out this weekend shows. But the word is they'll be okay after the weekend. So New Japan Cup Final tonight. Overnight. Technically for them, it would be Saturday night. But for us, it's Saturday at like 3 in the morning. We've got Great Bash Heel versus Two Young Boys. So it's Hanma and Makabe versus Uemura and Suji. We've got Tenkozi versus Gabriel Kidd and Goto. We have the returning Master Wado facing Doki because he attacked him after his debut. We've got Bushi and Sonata facing Taiji Shimori and Yujiro Takahashi. So a little. L.I.J. versus Bullet Club. 
tag match. Then we've got ourselves Taguchi, Nagata, Ibushi, Tanahashi versus El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taichi. Four-on-four match. Then we got Sho, Yano, and Ishii versus Takahashi, Shingo, and Naito. So you get a little bit of chaos versus LIJ. And your main event for the final, who is going to be the winner of the New Japan Cup? It's Okada versus Evil. Ooh. Who you got? Evil. So do I. (laughs) I think one of the big storylines for the rest of this year is going to be infighting with LIJ. Not like a who's in charge, but a who's the best. Because it's already started. Because Evil had to, like, cheat to beat Sonata in the semifinal. And if Evil wins this, he's fighting Naito for the title. Uh, I think there's going to be some infight. What's what's the status on that with the two belts thing? Didn't they say that he was only going to defend one of them or get stripped of one of them or something? Well, I don't want to talk about that because Sunday... Is Dominion in Osaka Joe Hall. By the way, fans will be in the building for these two shows. Ooh. They'll be at like I think one quarter capacity with social distancing rules. That's still cool though. They get to even do that. So on they have three matches announced for Dominion on Sunday. It is Shingo defending the never singles title against Show. Because that's been the big thing. Because Sho beat Shingo twice during the tournament. He beat him in a tournament match, and then he beat him in like a tag match. And it was the cool part where after the match, he was like, "Okay, you beat me twice. Which one of the belts do you want?" We also have for the tag titles, heavyweight tag titles, which they should get rid of one of the tag titles because there's always one of the divisions is shit, and right now it's the heavyweight division that's shit. <laughs> Uh, so Tanahashi and Ibushi are facing the dangerous Techers, Tai Chi, and Zack Sabre Jr. So the Techers are in line. And the main event is for both belts. I don't know. Eventually, they're going to have him. There's going to be like a two night show, and he's going to defend them on different nights. And he's going to lose the IC title, is my guess. He's going to at least lose one of them. That's what my guess is, is he's going to lose the IC title on like a two night event and then retain the world. Mm-hmm. So it's Naito defending the title against either Okada or Evil, and our pick is Evil, and I, my pick is Naito retains. Definitely so it's been good. a week and a half since there was a show, but there's going to be two big ones back-to-back this weekend. All right. So New Japan will have a lot to do be talking about some more new japan next week so let's move on to this week's main event segment i well we were challenged by patron friend of the show published author and podcast host adrian cotton to come up with the top 10 talkers and sweet bobby g is number one Mm. Y'all don't sound nothing like me. Y'all don't sound nothing like me. So, I came up with a list of ten. I sent it to Dan. Dan actually came up with promos as samples. Stuff that you guys can check out. 
of why these guys are my top ten talkers. Uh, real quick, I'll run through a couple of honorable mentions. Um, I do think that Hulk Hogan could deliver on the microphone, but he only really had that one volume. So I never saw him as a great overall talker. Well, he that can... was 80s WWF promos, right? You screamed. Yeah, you screamed and, and, and growled. And you said your catchphrase. Well, <laughs> there's a couple of 80s guys on here that didn't do that, which is why they made the list. Which is why they made the list. There's actually three of them on this list, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> I understand that two of the most duplicated promos of all time came from guys like Nick Bockwinkle and superstar Billy Graham, but I did not include them on my list because both of them were either before my time or happening somewhere where I had no way of watching. Yeah, most of uh, most of Dusty's go-to stuff was actually Billy Graham stuff, um, but it's hard to find those promos because they were done in the 70s. Yeah, so I'm not... You know, I know people are going to come back and be like, well, what about this person? I want you to know that, like, I did focus on people who I knew better. Um, Other big promo guys that I've seen that I think were really good were King Harley Race, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Mick Foley, and Raven go out to my HOs. You have any honorable mentions that aren't on this top ten? I might have put Foley in the top ten. I don't know. Well, a lot of people aren't going to agree with my number 10, but I will tell you why. For number 10, I actually settled on John Cena. And I know people people are going to be like, oh, it's John Cena. But think about this. Cena was actually a master at improv. He did all his own promos. He never got scripted. And when he would freestyle, that was actually him freestyling. To me, that's the mark of a great promo, is a guy who can talk off the cuff, come up with stuff on the spot, and change with the ebb and flow. For that reason, I actually think Cena is one of the best talkers of the last generation of talent. The newer generation, the 2000s. You know, and of course, you know, yes, he did some childish stuff, and he he would throw his catchphrases out there. But He's nuts. Yeah, like a swollen penis, you can't beat me. But like like we said, was that any different than what the guys in the 80s were doing? It was just changed up for a different generation. So I think Cena deserves to be in the top 10. But I'm not going to justify putting him any higher than the guys I selected because it's it's John Cena. All right, so the promo I selected was actually more of a Kurt Angle promo, but it was one of the more fun moments, so I kept it. Because it starts out with it's starts out with Kurt Angle cutting a promo about he yeah he lost the belt at Wrestlemania but he's gonna win it back at Judgment Day it's gonna be cool and then John Cena shows up and he starts rapping at him which is pretty cool and then Kurt Angle raps back oh yeah and they got the one referee that beatboxes (laughs) because of course they did yeah, I think uh, stuff. I think a lot of Cena's best promos weren't one-offs to hype stuff. I think his best stuff was when he actually went off against somebody. So you could make that argument that a lot of Cena's strength came from the fact that he needed somebody to pitch to and return. 
But there's no denying that Cena couldn't couldn't match wits. And I, I guarantee you, if you had a freestyle battle with John Cena, you would lose. He would just kick your ass. Uh, number nine on my list, I went for, ooh yeah, the Macho Man. Good old Randy Savage. And the reason I picked Savage instead of somebody like Hogan is because Savage actually could change up his delivery. He had the same Hogan-style, like, overhype shouting stuff, but he could change his voice pretty easily. Yeah, he, he, could, bro- he broke it down. When it he he did, yeah. He could break it down. And the, the reason I think he gets a pass is because that was actually how he talked in real life. Yeah. Hogan, you, you listen to Hogan talking casually and then listen to a screaming promo, it sounds completely different. But if you listen to Randy Savage, that's just him. That's just Randy Savage. And I always thought, well, I always thought Randy Savage should have been the bigger focal point than Hulk Hogan. He had the flashier costumes, he had the better promos, and he was worlds above the better in-ring worker. Savage had five-star matches. Hogan just had matches with a lot of crowd interaction, but he didn't really do that much. Savage did actual work. Hogan just did spots. But I've always thought that Savage was better than Hogan. You gotta pop the crowd, brother. Exactly. Uh, For number eight, he's lower on the list than people probably think he should be. Oh, oh, duh. We didn't do your Randy Savage promo. Oh, so the promo I picked was the cream of the crop, where he because he has like endless coffee creamers in his hand or something. Oh I yeah, like four or five. But it's supposed it's post WrestleMania three. He's not the IC champion anymore, and he's like, I got screwed, and I'm coming for you, and I'm going to come for that title because I'm better than you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and the cream always rises, and I am the cream. Oh, yeah, dig it. Uh, so number eight, I did settle on Stone Cold Steve Austin for number eight, and I know some people think he should be a lot higher. But the thing with Steve Austin is Austin doesn't have the same emotional range as some of the guys that we're about to talk about. <clears throat> Not that Austin was a bad promo, of course. Austin was a great promo. But he was always cutting the angry promo. And as great as that is, it didn't have the range as some of the other guys that are above him. Austin wasn't going to cut a a sad promo. Austin wasn't going to... Austin's promos were always badass, and that's that's a reason to put him on the list. But not enough to put him any higher. What's your iconic Steve Austin promo? Is it the one that we're all thinking of? Well, no, Austin 316 is like 10 seconds long. Um, I went with his epic six-and-a-half-minute promo in ECW where he talks about getting fired by Eric Bischoff over the phone and the fact that everyone's a fucking loser in ECW and I'm going to win because I'm that... You guys suck. Oh, yeah, that Steve Austin was... Good promo. That Steve Austin was fantastic as promos. Like, once he became Stone Cold, he kind of just focused on the, the Stone Cold style of promo, but he had that ability. Same with the wrestling, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Hey, you want to be the second greatest? Or you want to be one of the best of all time? Let's uh, cut down about fifty percent of your promos and your in-ring style. Well, 
And and Vince isn't on my list, but he was a great promo too. Well, specifically, Adrian wanted to focus on wrestlers. That's why there's no managers on here. Because I could do a whole thing on managers and, like, authority figures. Which, even though, yes, Vince has obviously wrestled matches, Vince has always been the authority figure over the wrestler. But, yeah. Steve Austin definitely deserves to be on the list. Because he was a master at, at cutting promos. Uh, the next guy on the list is another guy who, just like John Cena, did everything off the cuff. And there's one big promo he's mostly famous for, but it's clearly not his best work. It was just famous because he was straight shooting, brother. But CM Punk is number seven. And I think that CM Punk was a master at cutting promos. Mm -hmm. In fact, he even prided himself on being the best at cutting promos. He even said when he was out with his injury... And they were like, you know, we still want you on TV because you can cut promos. He was like, you know what? Screw it, because I'm still going to be the best one out there. And he he used that Steve Austin mentality. You've got to think that you're the best and act like you're the best. And yes, he obviously had an ego about it, but who else in that spot didn't? Let's be realistic here. But yeah, uh, other... Is the pipe bomb your pick, or did you settle yeah, on a... Okay. We did the pipe bomb. We did the pipe bomb. That's fair, though. But I've always... I've always been a big fan of his happy birthday promo to uh, Ray's good. daughter. Because it was so... It was just so hard... Like, it was so horribly heel. And we hadn't also, seen somebody go that heel in a really long time. And also, another go-to would be when... Uh, shortly after the Money in the Bank one, when he comes back... And he tells John Cena that he's not the underdog. He's the favorite. And you're just like the Boston, your beloved Boston Red Sox. You became what you despised. Because the Boston Red Sox aren't the lovable underdogs. They, they spend as much money as the Yankees. Yeah, in fact, in a lot of sports clicks, I've noticed that the Red Sox have commanded more heat than the Yankees now. So... You end up, you end up doing the exact same thing. Yeah, that's I yeah that's that I that was a good promo too. Um, yeah, Punk. Punk was a master at cutting promos. He knew exactly what to get across, and he had a lot of delivery too. Not as much as the top six because the top six guys all have emotional range. Punk is where you're starting to get into that more emotional range. But number six is where we really kick that off here. And this is the second best 80s promo guy out there. Because he was different. And that was Jake the Snake. Because he spoke mentally. He spoke in hush tones. And, and he spoke quietly. He, he spoke dangerously. You could tell that he was an intelligent, calculating man who didn't give a fuck. And that's why Jake Roberts is one of the greatest characters of all time, really. Uh, what are some great Jake promos? Well, the one I went with was the WrestleMania 6 before he fought Ted DiBiase. Literally, oh, yeah. it's, uh, the promo starts with um, Mean Gene, and he's just like, Jake Roberts, the match is at hand. And he just gives it to Jake Roberts, and Jake Roberts for like two minutes is like, the most interesting man in the world. 
and he just takes it down, dude. It's so, so great, and it ends. It ends like perfect. And he's just like, and at the end, it's gonna be you groveling for the money that's it's yours to begin with, and and then he's like, oh, it ends with like about avarice or whatever. Oh, so good, and it's literally like his setup was just like, oh yeah, your match is next. <laughs> That's all Cause, Jake needed. Because that's all, and, and that's all, and Mean Gene knew that's all he needed. Because you see, because I watched a ton of promos to pick out these ones, right? And so you'd see some where Mean Gene talks for five minutes before the guy even comes out. <laughs> but not Jake. Yeah. Now, some people argue Jake should be higher on the list, and I definitely won't disagree with that. But he needs to be in everybody's top 10 when it comes to promos. Now let's talk about somebody who has all the range in the world. At number five... He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. I selected Chris Jericho. A guy who is a master at everything. He's done the funny promo. He's done the sad promo. He's done the slow-talking, big-word Nick Bockwinkle promo. He's done the... He's done everything. He's done every type of promo possible, and he's nailed it every time. There aren't many bad Chris Jericho promos out there. And if there are, it's just because he either wasn't feeling it, or he himself will admit that he just botched it up. And But when you find the, the gold Jericho promos, they are gold. We could, I could do a whole list on those, but what do you got? Okay, so the one we, I marked was... 1,004 holds. It's such a great segment. Now, here's the thing is he cut a promo before because he cut a promo before about, and he was talking about Di Malenko, and he uh, sends it off with, just like the song, um, bop, and it's gone. <laughs> and then he wrestles freaking Marty Jannetty for five minutes, and then he's like, you know, Marty Jannetty didn't last very long, so I still have some time here. So back to Dean Malenko. You know, you say you're a master of a thousand holds. I counted about sixty. Well, I'm a master of a thousand and four holds, and I have it written down here. With the old style DOS computer paper. Yeah, the freaking dot matrix, and it's all laid out. And he talks for about ten seconds. They go to commercial. He then runs down the crowd during the commercial. They come back. He's like seven hundred and sixty-five, and then Prince Ikea eventually. No, no. Then they go to it's hour two of Nitro, and the pyro goes off and stuff. And then Prince Ikea comes out and he's like, "Don't make fun of D Malenko. His dad trained me too, bitch." The best is when he when he rips up the paper and throws it, and Jericho's running after it, screaming, "My holds, my holds!" <laughs> yes. I loved when he did the uh, they did the cruiserweight battle royal and he was cutting promos on everybody who came out. Yeah, and then Cyclope won, and then we realized that's not Cyclope. Oh, that was a good one too. Jericho, uh, Jericho was also the catchphrase master, and everything from Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla all the way up to Stupid Idiot, and you just made the list. Like now, it's Les Champion. Even it was in... never ever again. Yeah, I mean, for Carl, he just got a little bit of a bubbly twice, and he he now owns a fucking champagne company. <laughs> <laughs> that is a master of his craft. Uh, yeah, I we could do an entire podcast on just great Chris Jericho promos, so I'll we'll cut it off there. 
Uh, number course, four. Yeah, backup would be um, uh, Sean through the Geratron. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. The, the suit transformation, which was crazy. Um, for number four, I selected the most charismatic man on the microphone. No, I would say he's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Yes, I would agree. So, I don't think anybody's going to deny that The Rock was not a great promo. And I know some people are like, oh, but you know, he he's another one of those guys. He A lot of the times he cut the same promo. And I used to think that, but now that I go back and look at it, I'm like, no, he really didn't. Like, yeah, he got his catchphrases in, but he... Oh, he shoehorned stuff in, but he always made sure it made sense to the moment. Yeah, yeah, his bridges were always good. So, he always made a solid bridge, <laughs> that Dwayne. Uh, and, and it would be impossible to come up with one rock promo that really stands well, out. Well, I did. And that is Billy Gunn. <laughs> That's a good one. So I marked the Billy Gunn promo. Because first of all, he's like, first of all, he starts talking about Triple H. Because Triple H, he beat Triple H in the main event in a steel cage match the week before on Raw. And he's looking, this week, you're number one contender. Hmm, got your big nose up Vince's ass, huh? Now on to Billy Gunn. I think... And he does the Billy praise to God. <laughs> uh, I think some of my favorite rock promos were, uh, well, his big return where he cut that huge promo before he said he was going to host WrestleMania. He even got to rip on Michael Cole a little bit. Like, that's a standout moment. Uh, I loved the This Is Your Life segment, especially when he finally got to talk. Not only was he hysterical just cutting promos on all the people that Mick brought out, but then he cuts a promo on Mick cut himself. and suck it, Banks! <laughs> I also, this is kind of an obscure reference, but I loved the time he came back and did a promo with Eugene on the on Coach. Because it was an unexpected cameo. Just The Rock showed up and brought Eugene into the ring and just spent the whole time just ripping on the coach. And it actually fit the character and got Eugene over as, like, a huge megastar. But the best part was when he's like, who's your boy in the ring? Who's the people's champ? The Rock! Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Triple H! <laughs> <laughs> and then Rock just looks at him he's like, what are, you, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? You're ruining The Rock's time out here. <laughs> we should actually review that whole Raw with The Rock's cameo with Eugene. And that was the peak of heel Jonathan Coachman. But yeah, Rock was a... Rock's a fantastic promo. Rock was the best at energy, but he also did actually have range with his promos. It's just that he would he would bring it down, he would get serious when he needed to, then he would bust out the catchphrases and the fans ate that shit up there's also one where the promo his promo like the week before the armageddon hell in a cell oh my god yeah everybody everybody in the match yep i did it i did it for the rock (laughs) yeah rock's a great promo uh for number three i'm gonna say this right now this is the best 80s promo that you're gonna get and I can say that because the first two guys could be considered 70s guys, too, so. Uh, but the, I went with Rowdy Roddy Piper at number three. He had all of the emotional range that you needed. He could cut 
the Hulk Hogan style promo and he could cut a Jake Roberts style promo and he did both. And he could do it in the same promo. In the same promo. He he get all tracked up. <laughs> My favorite Roddy Piper promo is the Morton Downey Jr. segment. Uh, WrestleMania 5 during that long ass segment because it started out as an episode of Brother Love Show, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite Roddy Piper promos. I also love the promo he cut for uh, the match with Brett. That's a good one. Which one did you pick? I picked a uh, one he did after Boston Jimmy snuck over the head with a coconut. Oh, at least he didn't pick the one where he did blackface. Bad News Brown. Uh, yeah, the Jimmy Snuka moment. Famous moment. Yeah, so, like, like, so that the entire promo is just Jimmy and Gene being like, how dare you? And he's like, how dare I? <laughs> <laughs> how would it feel, Snuka? But I hit you with a coconut. That was the thing, like, Roddy Piper was still a fantastic promo in WCW, but, like, he was actually less mobile than Hogan at that time. So, yeah, like, he had just gotten his hip done. Yeah, he had like two he hip replacements. Full, he still had the full scar, you could see it. He did some uh, awesome promos, like w- against Hulk Hogan in WCW, like awesome hype stuff. But then the match itself, you're just like, oh, God, why is this happening? Alright, uh, so yes, even though I did say that Bach and Graham were before my time, I picked these two guys, even though a lot of their heyday was before my time. I'm familiar with them because I've seen a ton of their stuff. And I don't think there's any denying that number two spot, the silver medal, should go to Dusty. Mm. And uh, I hope you went with the famous Wine and Dine promo, because that's the, that's the Dusty Classic. I went with actually not the the fucking on bananas. No, I went with fucking hard times, bro. Ah, oh, that's another great one. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Dusty was a master of the promo. It's so crazy to look at what a guy like Dusty Rhodes looked like, and to just see how insanely over he was, and then watch what he actually did in the ring, and you're like, man, yeah, he didn't need to do that much. He got over exactly how he needed to. One of the most brilliant minds in the business. Uh, yeah, and you know, to effect, there's like three major companies right now that claim him as a essential uh, person from for them as like just a either a former employee or or inspire for in, a, in yeah. AEW's case because his two sons are there. Yeah, but they think that their name of their gorilla position is the Dusty position. Even that's awesome. So, I call it Dusty. The Dusty. Hey, we did that watch along for the patrons where Shannon and I watched uh, the uh, the Sasha Banks Bailey match. I don't know if you got a chance to check that out, but uh, I, I had forgotten that was shortly after Dusty passed away. So they both had like the polka dots going on for the tribute gear. Yes, because that's how you pay tribute. <laughs> Was with the polka dots, yeah. <laughs> but then again, so this fucking uh, Tommy Dreamer has half of his gear has polka dots on it for Dusty. It's, so. it's funny that that's what they're paying tribute to is that Dusty. By the way, 
Who still um, got over and was one of the most over guys in the company, despite the fact that Vince McMahon was deliberately sabotaging him the entire time. Yep. I still haven't figured out who the Midnight Rider was. You haven't? No. I mean, he had he had that blonde hair, he had the, the big belly and the splotch. Mm-hmm. But man, I just couldn't tell who the Midnight Rider was. She used to know who uh, Charlie Brown was, or... I'm still working on Charlie Brown from out of town. Yeah. Um, he looked pretty familiar, the beard and everything, but we figured that one out. Uh, what's the one that JYD was? And then later, uh, somebody else was? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, I actually don't remember uh, JYD's masked gimmick name. Hold on, let me look that up. It was it was, it was with Watts. Was it? It wasn't Stagger Lee, was it? Lee no, Stagger Lee was fucking Charlie Brown as well, wasn't it? Uh, Leroy Rochester and Big Daddy Ritter are the other names that he went under. That doesn't say anything about uh, mask stuff. Uh... He did it in, in Louisiana. Let's see. He did Leroy Rochester at, for Nick Goulas, Big Daddy Ritter for Stu Hart. Uh, then he went to Mid South, and that's where he became JYD. Was it was was it Steiger? I don't because I I would just remember hearing. Um. Cornette talking about because I've been watching those videos that they have of their. Uh, of him breaking down like a month at a time in different companies. Oh yeah, those are so fascinating. By the way, like the history and like how shit that freaking some of those companies did their did their uh, tours. Like how they uh, they finally got the Patriot and he was ready to push him, and then <laughs> Kevin Dunn. <laughs> I find you tiresome. Uh yeah, Dusty, Dusty's the man. Uh yeah, I, I have to look up the, the somebody in the comments tell us who JYD's mask gimmick I guess was. It, was it might have been yeah. Uh and then of course to the shock of absolutely no one, I labeled Ric Flair as the greatest talker of all time. And just tell me which promo you picked. Um. It's not very long. As a matter of fact, two other people talk more than he does during it. But it's with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest thing of my life. Ric Flair was everything you'd want to copy out of a promo. Whether he was inspired by people before him or not, everybody should look at a Ric Flair promo to capture the whole essence. He got everything needed. And... I don't even have to talk about emotional when it comes to Ric Flair because everybody knows he, if we did a top ten list of criers in pro wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> probably be number one. Flair would be three through one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Rick saying Baker, number four. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying like leave the memories alone. <laughs> Ric Flair's a big crier. That's and then Big Show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, who'd you put for number four? Britt Baker. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, well, it, you do one on... 
Well, then Charlotte would be in the top ten, too, because she's a big crier. Well, we did that watch-along because they did the end the end of the match. Charlotte and Becky run out and hug Bailey, and then Sasha and Bailey hug, and they do the four horsewomen sign. And three of the four girls are emotional, and the one that wasn't was the one that you would expect to be the most emotional. It was Charlotte, who just looked really phony. The Shannon ripped on her quite a bit for that one. Because Becky was horribly holding back tears. Like, very obviously was on the break of just losing it. But Charlotte just looked very insincere. And I'm just like, you know, considering who her dad is, you would think she would be the big crier. But She yeah. might have been the most sincere. She just didn't look like it. <laughs> and in this business, you gotta look like it, even if you're not. So I want to hear what you guys think were your uh, top ten talkers. Let us know. Let us know. Uh, all right, we're going to do a quick non-wrestling... Well, we'll see how quick this is. But I want to do my non-wrestling segment. I promised you guys the other week I was going to lead you into how I would book the Smash Brothers Cinematic Universe. We didn't have time for it because the show ran long. So I'll try not to go too long here. But we know for a fact that Illumination Animation is coming out with a Super Mario Brothers animated movie. And... A, there's a lot of hope that this is going to open up the door for Nintendo to finally start letting some of their franchises be utilized in these factors more. Um, I have a lot of hype for it. In my opinion, computer animated Mario movie is the best way to do it because it'll look the most like a Mario movie. And then what I would honestly do is keep the story as simple and basic as it would be in your first Mario movie. Have it be Mario and Luigi rescuing the princess from Bowser. Incorporate all the power-ups that everybody knows. You know, beat Bowser. Use the Koopa Kids if you want. Bowser lives on to fight another day and all that stuff. And uh, we see what happens in the future. Open it up to some more stuff. So... I think that's the best course of action. Now, whether they take that course of action, I don't know. But we shall see. As far as uh, other franchises, now we know that they obviously did the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And it was cheesy, but it was entertaining. Uh, They did the movie, which is why Nintendo wasn't a fan of putting their franchises out there anymore. Zelda had a TV show that lasted 13 episodes. It was really cheesy, too, but, you know. Excuse me. Exactly. So then you start looking at the other stuff that you could do. Now, the first thing I'm going to talk about when it comes to franchises, because I got a list of all the franchises represented in uh, Smash Brothers right here. Apparently, Yoshi's in his own franchise, according to this. Yes, he is. He now, has his own series of games. Well, Mario has the most representation in these games because you have Bowser, Bowser Jr., who's got all of the all of Bowser Jr.'s alternate costumes are the other Koopa Kids. See, so, so even though they all have the same fighting style, you can have all eight of them going at once. Morton Koopa Jr. Yes, Lemmy, uh, Ludwig da- Von Koopa, Ludwig Von, and Wendy O. You have Daisy and, and Peach. <laughs> yeah, right. You have Daisy and Peach are both fighters. Daisy's actually... Well, Daisy and Peach have the same basic moveset, but 
she's still actually a fun character. And they have Dr. Mario. Plus, of course, Mario himself. Don't touch your balls. He's not a real doctor. Wario counts in his own franchise. Yeah, he has his own games. They did incorporate Rosalina and Luma as a fighter. And Rosalina is actually really good. But I would save the Galaxy stuff and the Extended stuff for future Mario projects. Same with, like... I would actually do it... the Like, I would do a basic Mario Brothers story that incorporates all the NES stuff. And then I would, in a sequel, is when I would bust out Yoshi and all... The, I mean, I, maybe you could shoehorn Yoshi in, but don't go full-on Galaxy or Odyssey or any of that stuff. Well, you're going to bring in Pauline. Well, yeah. But down the line, she she got to sing, sing the Jump Superstar, Superstar. Song. <laughs> That song's a friggin' banger. It really is. Uh, so, yeah, you, uh... It Mayor is of New Donk City. New Donk City. Mario likes that donk. So that really wouldn't be a hard hard one to do. So the next big franchise, of course, is Zelda. Now, I've said this before. Zelda needs a miniseries. Not a full-on TV show, unless each series is going to be a different kind of game legend. But you should do Zelda as a big miniseries. Maybe like a 10 to 13 part miniseries. And you can twist a lot of that lore into one thing and not have it be too off. Just don't... I know the whole thing is that Link is a mute and that's become like a big running joke, but no, you have to actually let Link talk. Give him a personality. Get You can make him kind of a generic hero. Well, last time they gave him a personality, it was fuck awful. Exactly. But... Zelda is too big of a universe for just one movie, but you don't want to also go too crazy with a TV show. Unless you're going to you're going to do like what Netflix does and know that you're only going to do 4 seasons of it so you have a beginning, middle and end, then you can probably pull that off. So getting the Donkey Kong characters in there would be easy enough cuz you could easily do a Donkey Kong movie. I know they had a crappy-ass TV show that looked awful. I don't know if it was awful, but it looked awful. Donkey Kong. So getting the Donkey Kong characters to tie in would not be hard. Because they can do their own thing and then have that that post-credit scene where, like, it's revealed that either Donkey Kong, maybe, maybe Bowser's on the run and he ends up teaming up with King K. Rule over something. King K. Rule is also kind of a disappointment in this game as a fighter. I expected a little bit more and did not turn out the way it probably should have been. But it is what it is. Alright, so now you start getting into... Kirby had a TV show that apparently was... From what I understand, it was people said it was pretty damn good. That guy sucks. <laughs> Uh, Kirby would probably just be a movie. There's not too much to the Kirby lore that you would need more than that. Uh, Metroid, I think, would be a trilogy. You could probably do a whole trilogy with the Metroid saga. I don't think you need to do a whole TV show with that, but I think a movie would work. And then she saves the one at the first movie, and it comes back in the third movie to save her? Yeah. Actually, actually it'd be pretty good. Instead of paying that off in the same one, pay it off at the end of, like, the third one? Star Fox should be a movie. 
and would not be hard to do. It would be a sci-fi adventure. My favorite thing about Star Fox is what, what what's his father's name? James McCloud. And what does he name his son? Fox. Because they're fucking foxes. Get good. Your name is fucking James. You named your son Fox. What a douche. <laughs> well, I didn't know we came here to bury Fox's dead father, but okay. What a fucking douche. And then the other big franchise from Ice the... Climbers. No, from the early days of Smash Brothers was Pokemon. Now, Pokemon is already its own thing because it's got fuck all with series and movies and everything. So incorporating Pokemon wouldn't be hard. You just you would have to save that for like the Avengers style mashup where all of a sudden and you know what? I wouldn't use a generic trainer. I would flat out use Ash Ketchum. Well, since now you even have live action. Well, live action Pokemon because I mean they're. And I'm gonna say they. Sh- anyway. I'm gonna say everything should be computer generated for the animation, so everything can tie in. But you, there's still room to do something like Zelda and Metroid live action as its own thing and still incorporate those characters computer genera. So Pokemon should be like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Basically. It's a, it's a group to begin with. Basically, yeah. And that way you can have Pikachu and have the trainer and bring in Charizard and the popular ones and have... You know, you can even make up a new trainer who's got... Happens to have a Lucario and an Incineroar and a Greninja on his team. It wouldn't be that hard to do. And Mewtwo is his own thing, so... Getting them incorporated would not be hard. So, you covered the big franchises. Now, as far as other stuff goes... I don't know anything about Fire Emblem lore. Because I've never played the games. But they're obviously popular. And there's characters that are constantly requested to be in there. And so, constantly added. <laughs> so, with how big Fire Emblem is, I would say take the Zelda route there. Um, Kid Icarus would probably be a good one-off movie to do. I have no idea if they'd be able to pull off Earthbound as its own thing, because I don't know what the rights there are. F-Zero would probably make an interesting movie, with a lot of cool sci-fi action. But to this day, Captain Falcon is still the only F-Zero representation in the whole game. Which I find... That game game is all about character. Yeah. So I'm surprised they haven't used more. Then you have to start looking into the other franchises. Who would work and who wouldn't. So, a lot of the outside stuff, I would say, probably wouldn't get to cross over. You'd probably have that Mr. Game and Watch movie. I don't even know if Mr. Game & Watch and Rob would work as characters. Um, Animal Crossing did actually do a movie. There is an anime movie of it that I actually kind of want to check out. Some but, asshole shows up and cussing on your trees. <laughs> but I'm going to say that that one probably wouldn't work in too well. Uh, Bayonetta would be a given. And Splatoon would probably be a given to incorporate. I, I, I don't know anything about yeah, Dragon Bayonetta Quest. Bayonetta would be harder because it's a platinum, right? A, a Bayonetta? Yeah, it's it's platinum, but they've probably a pretty good working relationship with Nintendo. I mean, it's the same thing with, like, getting... Oh, man, trying to get Solid Snake now would be a fucking... A fucking... Awful. 
But they've got uh, the Dragon Quest series, and they've got Xenoblade Chronicles, so getting that stuff incorporated wouldn't be hard. I'm going to say that the Duck Hunt dog doesn't have to be there. Well, I mean, you can have ones that could be background characters or whatever, right? Like, well, if we have, like, if we have like, a major, um, you know, like, S.H.I.E.L.D.-like company, they could be, like, some of these characters could be, they work for that yeah. group. I would also say that Pikmin and Punch-Out would probably make decent movies. And then how the rest of them fit in would be, you know, like, the, the freaking, you're not going to have me's in it, obviously. And I'm sure the Wii Fit Trainer wouldn't really work out, but but who knows? Maybe they could make it make it work. I don't know. But I think the best course of action, if you were going to actually, if the Mario Brothers movie turns out to be successful and we want to see more stuff, I think those are the proper routes to take. Pokemon's already established, so once you start doing the big team ups, you can just bring them in. Now, as far as the other stuff goes, a Castlevania movie would have my money. And a good Street Fighter movie would also have my money. Gonna it emphasize is a good one, but it's animation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the one I was thinking of, though. And then... I mean, I'm going to take this boat. And then the only other thing I would change is who you actually include as characters. So, like, Waluigi needs to be included, and I don't care what anybody else says. You can fit plenty of Pokemon in there. There's lots of other Zelda characters. Not that would be necessarily great for... Like, in Star Fox, you'd want the whole team there, even though Slippy and Peppy wouldn't make good fighters. You'd still want them in the game, or in the movies. Well, I mean, it wouldn't... I mean, I would imagine it'd be more of a... Instead of fighting in a tournament, it would be like, a, hey, everyone comes together because all the bad guys are coming together or something crazy like that, right? Well, that's exactly what I would do, is I would have a lot of the bad guys team up. So your, your Star Fox people would be doing <clears throat> air combat. Bowser, yeah. Bowser, Ganondorf, King K. Rule, King DDD. You could throw Andross in there with the Star Fox stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you could make Mewtwo a villain if you want to go that route, or even just have Team Rocket. Well, yeah, you'd be like, hey, we need someone for the... the the terrorist logistics and it's fucking Team Rocket. Yeah, right? Giovanni's got his, uh, he's got that mob money, so they could work that in. I mean, there's a lot you could do with that and then, you know, uh, some characters who like, you're probably not gonna get Cloud to appear in this, but no. and Mega Man and Pac-Man would be questionable, although, as we've seen, Disney was able to work with them, so you, you never know. I think you might be more likely to get Mega Dr. Wily and uh, Eggman would actually work pretty good for uh, a big, like, super villainous team up here. But yeah, I would definitely be something with the villains cross-pollinating the worlds and everything. You could make it a dimensional Rick and Morty style thing. But I think a Smash Universe is not only possible, but would be, well, also incredibly lucrative, I'm sure. But I think it should happen. I think we should get a Smash Cinematic Universe. And, and then we have the one-off movie where they play golf. And the one-off movie... <laughs> where they race go-karts. Where they race go-karts. And the one-off movie where they play a board game. 
Because everybody wants to see Mario's Fundamentals, the movie. See, that's the funny thing about Waluigi, right? He's, like, in none of the games as a villain, but he shows up at the freaking bring everyone together and hang out and do stuff for him. Right? Yeah, that's exactly it. He was created for those games to give... Because Wario was the evil Mario, so they gave Luigi an evil counterpart. But he's never appeared in a core game. No, he's only there to play tennis and board games. <laughs> so he's, prob- he's probably <laughs> and a race pretty... cards. I, I'm sure he's probably a decent guy. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's nothing really to tell you that he's evil except for the name. Except for while Luigi literally translated means bad Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, uh... Apparently he was the main antagonist in Dance Dance Revolution Mario mix. Oh, is he? <laughs> yes. Wow, intensifies. <laughs> uh... I think a Punch-Out! movie would be really good. It'd be a Rocky-style movie. Be, yeah, it'd be a Rocky. Of course, people are like, but you can't have Mike Tyson. Well, you can still you can just make Mr. Dream. You have Mr. Dream, yeah. I mean, fuck it, and have Mike Tyson play him because I bet you you can get that. I he'd probably be down for it. Well, Mac, I'll eat your children. <laughs> Good lord! All right, so let's see. What can we do for this week's Points or Consequences? Probably going to be more of a discussion because this was hindered by the fact that the game went up super late because I lost power Monday evening and got so swept up and in our conversation, I actually thought Glenn had went ahead and posted the game. So. I knew I didn't because well, it was my game. Exactly. <laughs> well, there were only 10 submissions, so this is going to be more of a discussion than an actual game, but I love the discussion. Well, idea I mean, anyway. I think it, it was going to be more of a discussion, even if you had 25 submissions, I think. so. And we could actually do more games like this. Like, they don't always have to just go for the, the comedy stuff. But, like, let's... Uh, a favorite video game of yours... Mm-hmm that you want to see remade or remastered for the next console generation. So, uh, since we're not really going to be playing with the whole concept of the points, I'll tell you who submitted what so you can get an idea as to who's behind it and why, maybe why they're thinking that way. And mine's the first one, so we'll go ahead and start with that. Uh, after seeing what Super Mario Odyssey brought to the table, it's time for a full remaster adventure of Super Mario RPG. Same gameplay mechanics, same basic story, but with new modern characters and villains included. Yeah, I'd like to see a new Mario RPG. I never even got that far in the first one, but... I know the big holdup is Geno and Mallow and, like, the character thing because of their partnership with Square. But you know yeah, what? Yeah, because he's in the one game, but it was uh, it's a, he's officially a Square character. But if you... You could re... And I know people would probably cry foul if they remade it and, like... But you know what? If you remake it and you want a character like that, create a brand new character that's like him and put him in all your Smash games. And call him Sora. (laughs) There you go. Sesh. I think everyone, everyone's going to get points. I'm just going to guess what the, what the game I want to do the most is, I guess, wins. <laughs> there you go. All right. I mean, 
I'll go ahead and put myself down for some points. Yeah. Um, and you've seen what Mario Odyssey looks like, right? Yeah, I've like, seen quite a few. Quite crazy. A, I've crazy seen probably game. almost all of it. <laughs> it's a crazy good-looking game. Uh, this one comes from friend of the show, podcast host, Matt Hardman, host of Race Nerd Podcast. Battletoads. With crisper graphics and gameplay mechanics, someone may finally get past level three. Yes. <laughs> and then people could actually be calling GameStop about an actual Battletoads game. Yeah. Because I worked at GameStop when that was a thing. Just... When 4chan was like, call them about Battletoads, LOL. I think a a, rema- a Battletoads remaster would actually be pretty fun. You know what? If you want to play a good Battletoads game, play the fucking arcade game. <laughs> yeah. It's better to begin with because they do shit like grab guys by the crotch and <laughs> kick them in the balls and stuff. Did you ever it's play uh, Battletoads and Double Dragon? The Ultimate Team? Of course. That's actually fun. Like, that game's pretty kick-ass. Uh, this one is from Randy Moyer. After seeing how well the Final Fantasy VII remake went, the developers of Snowblind Studios decided to remaster Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, incorporating Bioware's Infinity Engine. Didn't they? <laughs> they just remastered those last Baldur's Gate games last year. Did they? Yes. I don't know if Dark Alliance is like a specific side one. I do not know. Um, I'm not familiar, really that familiar with the franchise. So. Okay, this one was PS2, so this was actually in a console game and not not a PC game that got ported. Okay. So yeah, this this is not one of the ones that got redone. So congratulations. Apparently it was on Game Boy Advance, too. PlayStation 2, Xbox, GameCube, Game Boy Advance. I'd imagine that was a piece of shit. Players cannot jump. There is no co-op. You cannot import the character to play through the story. You have to start a whole new game. Although they made the town more interactive, but... Kind of weird, yeah. Alright. That I mean that sounds that could be cool. Like again, I'm not familiar with it, but does I don't have to be familiar with it. There's a new Baldur's Gate game coming out this year. It's gonna be fucking sick. <clears throat> uh with the advancement of graphics over the years oh, oh sorry, this is Russell Wright's entry. With the advancement of graphics over the years and the prevalence of first person gaming environments. It's time to give a long-gone title the remake it deserves. In the remake of E.T. the Extraterrestrial for Xbox One X and PS5, you get to shift between Elliot and E.T. as you evade the FBI and other baddies while working to find all the pieces needed so E.T. can phone home. So he went with a POC entry. (laughs) I going to say that is not one of your favorite games as well. <laughs> I actually tried playing it on an emulator. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I definitely fell down a lot of pits. Yep. 
I think E.T. would benefit from an actual, like, modern-day game, though. Yeah. And then we gotta get a Macami game and a Flight of the Navigator game. Yeah. Be alright with that. Do you want to keep the points, then, or...? Yeah, sure. Okay. It's a decent idea, just to rethink that with modern... And some fucking time, because they only had, like, six weeks to make that game. Yeah. <laughs> they rushed it out for the holiday season, and we saw what happened there. Then the video game crash happened. And because of it. Mario they saved made it. so many of them. Mario <laughs> saved it. <clears throat> uh, in the remake of the arcade classic Paperboy 2020, there has never been a worse time to be a Paperboy. Let's face it, who reads the paper anymore? Not to mention new hazards such as BLM protesters, people chasing you down for being outside without a corona mask, angry Karens, environmentalists piss at their... All right, you know what? I'm going to stop you here because this is actually a group violation. You're not supposed to be incorporating this stuff into POC games. Uh, Although, I'll give you credit. uh, TikTok teenagers recording you on their cell phones. It was actually kind of funny. But yeah. uh, Basically, just take Paperboy and... Update it. Update it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, please don't put that stuff in your future game entries, Joshua Vargason. I would appreciate that, thanks. Also, everybody ed- edited their comments at some point, I'm noticing. So I guess everybody thought they were going to be funnier. So, I actually wouldn't mind a Paperboy remake. Me neither. I'd be interested in checking out a Paperboy game. I mean, they did the Paperboy 64, which I've never played, but... Apparently there's a Paperboy movie this year. Oh my god. Okay. Well, the Smash Cinematic Universe will incorporate the Paperboy somehow. But it looks like it is Bollywood, baby. (laughs) Let's watch the 31 second teaser trailer. (laughs) God. Alright. I'm giving everybody points. Just tell me if you need me to adjust them. Uh, this is from Adrian Cotton. Contra would be a great addition to the Xbox One X or the PS5. With the same weapons we've come to love from the original NES Classic, gameplay similar to the Call of Duty franchise, and a detailed storyline, this new addition to the Contra family could be what carries Contra into the next millennium. Okay, that's good, because they made a new Contra game this this year or last year, and it's shit. I didn't even know they did that. I only knew about it because the freaking Cinemaster guys did an episode about it and their gaming thing. You know what the that the movie show's done? They finished it at 100 episodes. They're not doing rental reviews anymore. No. I know he just did one for Aqua Teen Hunger Force that I was really into, but I didn't know they oh, were that, done. That wasn't even, that's not even that show. I didn't know rental reviews was done. Damn. You finished it after 100. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, sad. All right. uh, That was actually the last long entry that we had, it looks like. Okay. But yeah, that's that's a good one. I would play that. Um, From Dan Dahl. Eternal Darkness for GameCube was awesome with this engrossing storyline and the way it messed with the player's head. Mm -hmm. But I'm afraid the graphics and controls haven't aged well. Would be great to see it now. Yeah. 
I, never, I heard it was a really good horror game for the GameCube. I never played that. I gotta. I, I'm trying to find some of this stuff to do for uh, for future game streams. Like bring some of this old stuff back. I need to get a GameCube. Man, but controller. if I did GameCube stuff, I'd be doing freaking Day of Reckoning. <laughs> That's everything I would do. That's the thing. Day of Reckoning. Was, that game was so much fun. Day of Reckoning is really good. Because the WrestleMania X8 was shit, and then they did X9. That was way better. And I was like, oh, cool. Let's, X9 uh, has has revenge mode where you're trying to sabotage WrestleMania. Yeah. And you could do revenge mode as Benoit. Yep. All right. Benoit get his revenge. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that'll age well. All right. From Jeff Trelowitz. Tecmo Bowl will be remade with a nod to current events. You have the option to have zero people in the crowd or social distancing them in the stands. See, now there was a remake a few years ago, but it was still pretty much Tecmobile. Like, they didn't really update, like, a ton of different things, right? Yeah. Uh, I I I was playing Tecmobile because they have it on the, uh, the NES library on the Switch. Oh, the one that you get for free if you have the online or whatever? Yeah. If you, if you do the online subscription, they, you have the, uh, the games on demand. And it's a lot of fun, but I think Tecmo Super Bowl was the better game because that incorporated all the real teams and players, and then they they cleaned up all the gameplay from the first one. Not that it was that much different, but it's just a bit tighter. But I have so much fun playing that game. See, I wouldn't mind if they took it in a direction like uh, there's this one other baseball game that's not too kid. Not I mean, it's not the show. It's a little cartoony, but it's like official MLB, not. Uh, not the one that you and I were messing with at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, there's a third version. <laughs> so we should get some serious about doing that baseball league. I'd be the down fictional, with that. The fictional All-Stars or whatever. I'd um, be down with that. That was one of my favorite things to do was to play the uh, the Wii baseball on Wii Sports because all your little me's would be on the team, so it was always a crapshoot to see who you got as teammates and, like, one of the funniest things was like, uh, you, you you look at your team and you're like, oh well, there's Triple H and there's The Rock and then it's all the other weird characters that you had and then like the other team had like half your friends and then like Brian and Chris Griffin <laughs> would just randomly show up depending on how many me's you had. It was interesting watching uh, doing like Wii Sports bowling and seeing the random other random characters show up in the background and stuff. And of course I had like a Hitler and it would always bug me when he would show up. I was like, God damn it. But of course, cause everybody made one cause we were all inappropriate and immature. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is your penultimate entry for the, the deal. Although I, uh, God damn it. I lost the page. Hold on. Ah, uh, there we go. Okay. The NES Classic gets remade with a new cover guy. Yes, it's Floyd Mayweather's Punch-Out. Yeah. <laughs> and the game is you, you become a top fighter and he waits five years when you're no longer good. And then he'll fight you. <laughs> that one was from Jay Winger. Host of the Binge Cast. And then your final entry was from Mr. Last himself. Don Mario. 
All of the AKI, THQ, N64, WWF, and WCW games remastered. Fuck yes. And, by the way, if you love those made-up characters that they had in those games that were actual wrestlers, but they gave them a weird name or whatever, watch Andrew Everett's Twitch on Wednesday and Saturdays. He has a um, Fire Pro League called Whole World Wrestling. And he has those characters, so it's not... It's like, um... It's Major Tom, not Terry Funk. And it's Bad Blood, not Great Muda. And it's fucking... And it's fucking great. And it's him doing commentary with Courtney Rush, and then Dino Winwood calls him. <laughs> so I'm watching him for about two months now. It's so good. It's like what I wanted my stuff to be. Like, oh my Not too late. It's so good. We well, now at this point, I'm probably waiting for my get the new computer, and then get all the DLC on the on Steam and freaking customize the shit out of everything. Right. So like, spend like a month getting ready for it, and then going again. <laughs> there. Yeah, that's basically how that goes, right? Yeah. It's um, a lot of work, but it'd be easier to do on Steam. <laughs> Uh, I also noticed that uh, I, we didn't cover this in the news, but FTR got heat because they appeared on Cornette's podcast. Like after signing? Because they were on it before they signed. Yeah, they... Uh, it, w- it was after they signed. They appeared on Cornette's show and they said when they went in the uh, the next... Like the next time... It was one of like the the weird awkward thing where you walk into the room and everybody stops and just kind of looks at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he likes them, and, and so you know. All right, so would you like to assign a winner to this week's game? Shit, I don't. Nobody wins. The first week without a winner. I'm so behind on updating too. Uh, give it to Contra actually because they just came up with a really shitty game like it might be the worst Contra game of all time (laughs) that's a shame I haven't actually tried Super C before but alright let me copy over Mr. Cotton's stuff into my document Contra Hardcore the one that was on Genesis Super Contra is actually pretty good Super Contra 3 or whatever it's called on Super Nintendo. That one's fun. I gotta get some Super Nintendo streams going again. But yeah. Alright guys, so this was this week's Wrestle Talk. Uh, Dan, what do you have planned for next week's main event? Did you want to uh, do that? You told me an idea. I wasn't sure if you wanted to do that next week or not. Well, I have a couple of ideas. And I don't know if I discussed it on show, but I know we talked about it in chat or like on a pre-show I want to do some dives into the Smackdown 6 because I wasn't watching at the time I'm all about that by the way I will actually join you for that so either doing that for a main event or picking a specific episode of Smackdown or something for the patron show is something I want to do I also had this idea because I recently saw a picture of Scott Hall and The Undertaker when he was Punisher Dice Morgan and they were in fucking New Japan for a tour. There you tag. go. 
And so I was like, ooh, what about like guys that only did like one or two tours in New Japan and we freaking can go pull those up? That'd be cool too. And of course we want to hear your ideas. Uh, and one thing I did talk about, I was discussing this with a couple of the hosts from the other podcasts, but uh, I haven't discussed it with everybody yet. So I'll mention it on the show because I know most of the other podcast hosts listen. But uh, one idea, and I want some feedback from you guys too, is uh, we're talking about possibly doing some cross-pollination with the shows and doing some one-off specials where we... uh... Gross. (laughs) So like... I could actually pitch an idea for each show right now and tie it into Wrestle Talk and make it about wrestling. Um, we've already done that with Music Hub because we've done like we've covered uh, entrance themes and stuff like that. You were on that episode, uh, but like ranking tracks with Jeff, we could rank one of the WWF CDs. Forcible entry, the rape one. <laughs> we could do. We could. We could do like. Oh my god, we should review Macho Man's rap CD. And then we can also uh, review the Randy Savages. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know if real paranormal talk could tie in too well, but I suppose we could could do something on like... Hey, brother. I don't know, scary characters or something. Um, Papa Shango shit. (laughs) Yeah. But like... Bored to death binge cast. We could we could review Glow. Yeah, I, I definitely want to uh, reach out and uh, yeah, guest the shows if they want me. Because I definitely because like as one as one of the leaders of our of our group and an enthusiast and almost all the other shows of content, you know. Exactly. Um, so Jay, if you're listening, that could be something to tie in. I've already talked to Mark about United We Fan doing a cross-pollination show where we cover uh, wrestlers in media. We could probably split that into several parts. We could do a whole thing just on The Rock's movies, but I wanted to do, like, actually discuss movies that feature famous wrestlers like Princess Bride and They Live, uh, cameos on TV shows, things like that. And we could even, t- I mean, we're doing some of that in the trivia, so there's a lot of obscure stuff we could probably pull out there. Uh, I know Mark is definitely on board to do that. And I think it would be cool to take, like, you know, the wrestling nerds and us and somebody like him who's got such a vast movie knowledge. We could really work that in big time. I mean, we could do a whole thing just on friggin' Goldfinger. It's so crazy when you think back. and We we could do a whole thing just burying Hulk Hogan's movies. And how terrible most of them are. You were like Goldfinger, and I'm like, why the fuck? Oh, yeah, Harold Sakata. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Why would it? Oh, we can also do fucking uh, You Only Live Twice because fucking High Chief Fighter Maya Villa is in that. Yep. <laughs> and then Race Nerd, I don't think there's that much we could do, but we could definitely do like Kyle Petty in the NWO and the Raw with Joey Logano and Kyle Bush on it. Oh, we got to talk about like the WCW car. They had a WCW car like in Nationwide or something like that. You could do a Bush. whole thing on Yeah, we could do a whole Bush. thing on that. I don't. Uh, obviously, we're already tying into Chris Ranks the Universe because we're going to do some wrestling rankings there. Uh, the only show I can't figure out a good way to to work in would be Stupid Sexy Podcast because we're going to talk about there's Bret Hart's in a couple episodes. There's the fucking shitty wrestling video game. 
Same well, movie. I mean, we could do a whole. We could just review the episode where it turns out that Grandpa was gorgeous. They do the whole gorgeous George thing with him. So yeah, we could even cross over to our own other show. <laughs> Joining us are the are the uh, hosts of the Stupid Sexy Podcast. That's oh wait, that's us too. Oh, that's us. But uh, patrons, you guys can get involved with this. Um, I, I'm. I'm sure Jeff would be on board to do uh, the United We Fan crossover because he's already done shows with Mark. And that was a good dynamic. Uh, Glenn, I know you're listening. Get on board with some of these, buddy, because I know you will be back sooner rather than later. And mid-July. And uh, so, yeah, so guys, we want more suggestions on what to do for main events here. We want more suggestions on what we can, how we can cross-pollinate. How we can do these crossovers. I mean, they're only going to be one-offs here and there. But they can be done. And if people are on board, then... The CKCC Radio Cinematic Universe. Exactly. (laughs) So there you go. Alright guys, that wraps up this week's edition of Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk. Remember, this weekend there'll be a new VIP episode for you patrons. We'll probably get another Stupid Sexy podcast out there. We're probably going to actually watch along for this one. Because it's Treehouse of Horror and I might want to do that for all of them. Because it might be more fun that way. And there might be some other content coming. Dan and I are going to do a YouTube show. The Slideshow Show. And... I had some technical issues last week. Technically, I was the issue. But I have fixed... You gotta keep those masters, bro. Exactly. Well, that was the problem, was I... The way the video edited, it erased the master, and it was so stupid. And I didn't realize it till it was done. And I was like, yep, not doing that again. But yeah, so we'll have some new YouTube content for you guys, too. And since I know a lot of people have been enjoying my wife's watch-alongs, we'll find something for her to watch, too. So lots to look forward to. But as far as this week's Wrestle Talk, we are out of here. See you guys next week. Bye.